Live streaming is on. Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is June the 19th. Uh, 2020 strong hand long-term thinking bitcoin is the next bitcoin one bitcoin equals one bitcoin unconfiscatable i'm offended by selling conviction these guys have conviction yes we're back on the regular channel it's great to be here and it's great to have these guests bitcoin rabbi is making his uh return anders you know he's a regular of course and jan pritzker is in the house dudes so on yesterday's show I was uh, I was promoting this show, of course, and of course uh, you can follow me on Twitter at TechBaltTechBalt, so you know what time these shows come on. But we were talking about the the great uh, Bitcoin Rabbi, also on Twitter. Follow him there; they're all linked to below, and I'll update the links after the show too. And he mentioned he had a great tweet that was very uh, very thought provoking. I want uh, he'll he'll start off, but everyone will give their opinion on this, and this will this will just jump the show right off. Bitcoin is a money that uses technology or a technology used as money. Take it away, Bitcoin Rabbi. Uh, so uh, thanks for having me, Adam. Uh, glad to be back. I, I don't remember what uh, inspired this, but I think a lot of people, you know, I think of Bitcoin mostly as money. And that's why, you know, my, my book is called Bitcoin Money. And that's whenever I explain to people, I try and uh, you know, avoid as much as possible the technology until they're really, st once they're starting to get into it, then you have to understand the technology to make sure that you're not messing it up. Um, but when you're first just coming to it and want to know what's the main point, what's the innovation here, you know, the technology was a means to the end of making the money. And so the responses that I got were, were I think, 60-40. 60% say it's a technology used as a money, but I'm very much on the side of a money that uses technology. And just, you know, like another way of saying that is, um, you know, let's say that they that we figured out, some, like when when SegWit was added, we figured out a different way of, of making the blocks that uses the signatures different. If we develop some other way to make Really, I think the UTXO set, that's the money, you know, that's the, we've got our accounts, we have the amount of money that we use and it's a fair distribution and it's a fair system and it's infl it can't be inflated. That's the key. And we happen to use this kind of technology to implement that. So I'm, uh, you know, I was surprised that I got this response. Um, and maybe not so surprised that that's what Bitcoin Twitter is, but I think people should view it as a money that uses technology, not a you know, that's the what we care about, the money part. Maybe yeah. some people like the technology part, but in the Bitcoin, you know, from my perspective, it's the money that matters. All right. So 40% agreed with you. 60% said technology used as money. Now, I on yesterday's show, I said I was one of those 60% there. Technology used as money. I think it's the security truth machine. Now, Jan, you were nodding your head. What, what's your take on all this? My take is interesting because I'm also in agreement with the rabbi, but I was originally in the 60% camp. I did vote in the 40% camp that Bitcoin is money first. Um, I came into Bitcoin as a technologist, right? I actually came in kind of into the whole quote unquote blockchain space because I came in 2016 and Ethereum was being really noisy. And I, I learned all about this stuff. And I even wrote articles about it, how Bitcoin was the first use, you know, the first application of blockchain was uh, Bitcoin as money. And then there would be other applications and all this kind of thing. 
But over time, my views on this have changed in that I don't think of Bitcoin first and foremost as a technology. I mean, all money in, in some way, you know, is kind of technological in nature. But um, the the underlying uh, basis of Bitcoin is really as a money. And I think that um, it's super important to understand how, how Bitcoin is different from all other monies that we've known and how there is, in fact, a technological innovation at the core, which is, you know, the idea of digital scarcity. But that that is really the thing that makes it money. Right. Um, the thing that uh, is, is interesting about Bitcoin isn't that it's a distributed computer system or whatever. Um, it's more that digital scarcity has been created. And I think that understanding is something that I've built up over the last couple of years. And now I'm firmly in the 40% camp. All right. Anders, your take. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, first of all, thank you very much for having me on again, Adam. I always have a blast here. So, really appreciate it. Um, and nice to meet these two um, good people as well. Yeah, I know already. Um, uh, well, so I'm going to be the odd one out because, uh, well, I looked at it. I, I, I kind of wanted to hit both, uh, of course. Uh, uh, sorry but, about that, guys. Oh, sorry. Sorry. No, he got cut off. Go keep going. It's all right. Um, so, so I kind of wanted hit, uh, to hit both. It's a little bit of a, um, a hen of the egg, which one came first. Uh, but uh, my conclusion is that it is technology that has enabled this digital commodity to exist. Um, as, as Jan touched upon, it's, it's created digital scarcity for the first time ever, right? It's the first time ever we have something digital that you can't copy paste. Um, so the technology is so um, ingenious that it has allowed uh, the protocol to become money. Um, at the same time, of course, um, it does. At the same time, it does use uh, technology. Um, uh, I mean, you could say Lightning Network definitely is technology, right? So when you use the Lightning Network, you're using uh, the money is using uh, technology and like. Uh, the whole protocol is is also uh, technology, um, the blockchain and everything. However, without that technology, it, it it wouldn't have become money. That that's why I look at it that way. But I kind of wanted to hit both buttons. But um, uh, you know, if you look at gold, for instance, gold is uh, a, a chemical, right? Or it, it's a a matter. Uh, and that is money. Um, then you could say, for instance, US dollar and euro, etc. Uh, is, you know, some would say it's money using technology when you have an online bank and when you transfer between countries or accounts. Uh, but but that is not money, though. That's what many people fail to see. It's only a currency because when you look up money in the dictionary, which I really think people should first of all educate themselves in what money is to truly understand Bitcoin, because money can store value. And fiat currency cannot store value. It's only a medium of exchange enforced by law. Um, so, uh, so gold is a true money. Bitcoin is a true money. Um, fiat currency is money using technology, you could say. All right. Well, uh, before we've all got that out now, I'm glad it's very thought provoking there, Bitcoin Rabbi. That's why you guys got to check out all these links below these dudes, Twitters. You never know what awesomeness they're going to throw out there. But before we move on to uh, some uh, other news, uh, do any of you guys have anything else to say about about the topic? 
Yeah, I'll just say that uh, obviously it was meant to kind of provoke uh, like a conversation because obviously both answers are true. Um, you know, clearly it's a tech, both a technology and a money. Um, it just is more of a question of what you are. I guess there's the what you are personally focused on. And also there's the marketing aspect of it of or the messaging of how you are presenting it and what are you know, because it's, everything is, um, you know, human centric. It's 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 our subjective perspective of something. And so what is the what is the person? What's the end user? What are they interested in uh, as far as Bitcoin? And so for some people, it might be that it's the technology. But I think that, you know, for me personally, and I think that I, I think that the 40, 60, maybe that's what Bitcoin Twitter is. But I think when for the masses, so to speak, uh, the technology is going to be always second to the to the money part. Yeah, I, I agree with that um, view because I think if you are a, if you have a technology background and you're presented with Bitcoin as technology, then your first immediate thought is like, well, what else can we use it for? Uh, you know, Adam, you said it's a truth machine. It, you know, it is the truth machine, but only for Bitcoin, right? Like you, whatever you put onto the blockchain, yes, you can put arbitrary data and stamp it into the blockchain. But that doesn't make that data. Oh, shit, drop that again. No, no you're, you're here. here. You're, you're here. here. You're here. <laughs> uh, uh, well, now he did. Oh my god, this is so horrible. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, what I was saying is, uh, um, it doesn't make the data that you put into the blockchain true, right? It just makes it, you know, it just makes it permanent. So um, Bitcoin is really only good for ascertaining that bitcoins have moved from one location to another, or that some piece of data exists. But it's not like uh, it's not really a truth machine in the sense that it doesn't know what's happening outside in the real world. So I think this is a uh, shit. Well, hey, hey, you can hear. You're here. You're here, man. You're here. Oh well, maybe not. All right, we we all, all, all uh, sorts all sorts of fun going on. Hey, I want to chat. I don't know I wanna... what's going on over there. No, you're okay. You're still here. You're still here. Okay, I want to I want to thank the guys in the chat. CS2 sent five bucks. He sent Bitcoin, no rulers, just rules. And Terry Greer sent a dollar ninety nine in the super chat. Dude, the super chat is back. Pound that like button for the best freaking guest in the space. All right, we we we've talked about the tech. We've talked about the money. Now it's time. Well, to talk about the money again. It's, uh, Canada, Canada. It leaked out. There was a help wanted ad somewhere. They're hiring people to uh, help them create a central bank digital currency. And Canada is no slouch of a country, okay? All right? So they're going for this thing, central bank digital currency. Now, they, they who knows how long it's going to take them to do this, but they're hiring, okay? So here we go. We'll start. We'll, we'll talk to Anders here. What, what do you think uh, about a, a country as, as big as Canada uh, basically admitting they're going to have a central bank digital currency? That it's not going to be anonymous like cash, though. It, they'll be able to keep your eye, their eyes on you. But we're actually entering this realm where a, a very first world modern country is uh, – they're getting one step closer to having something that's uh, – it's not as good as Bitcoin, but it's something that will get people into Bitcoin. What, what, what's your take there, uh, Anders? Um, again, I think it's really important to look at uh, what is money and um, the, the different parameters that make up uh, money. Uh, money really is a commodity that, first of all, it needs to be scarce. Um, then it should be portable. 
um, divisible, durable, uh, fungible, which means private. Um, and then because Bitcoin is decentralized, it also is permissionless. I can transfer money to you and no one can stop me. Um, and also it's unconfiscatable. And when a central bank creates a, uh, a digital currency, it, it's not much different than the digital currency they already have. Um, you probably have more in your bank account than you have in your wallet. So your money is already digital there. And uh, I am sure that a couple of things is still going to be a huge problem with, with government currency, because I can't even call it money. And that is, it's still going to be with permission. So you will not be allowed to transfer to WikiLeaks if you want to support their exposure of government uh, lies. Uh, it will still be confiscatable. Um, because I'm sure that the government wants to still be able to uh, take your money in case you are either a political opponent or if they feel that you have uh, cheated in tax or whatever. Um, and um, uh, yeah, so for, for, for several reasons, it, it doesn't, um, yeah, the last problem with it will be that I am sure that the drug that they're using now to solve problems or to solve symptoms of problems, which is money printing, printing, creating more supply, is something that they don't want to leave. If they want to, so it, it's going to be terrible. It's not going to be any better than the fiat currency we have already. It's just going to be a different way of doing it. Um, so it's no threat to Bitcoin whatsoever. Um, and if, if you really wanted to compete with Bitcoin, you would need to create something as good as Bitcoin. But the problem is, uh, even if they did that, they would lose all the advantages of being in charge of the money. Um, and also, you can't do that anymore because Bitcoin came first. Um, and and uh, you're not expanding Bitcoin's money supply by creating new copies of it like Vtrash uh, or ESV, etc. Um, because all, it's different. You have a different network effect already in Bitcoin. Uh, you cannot even come close to compare the hashing power that is securing the blockchain of Bitcoin with any of the others. Uh, so it's not more of the same. It's attempted copies and, and they can't compete with Bitcoin. So, I mean, by all means, go ahead. It's probably going to be easier to unramp to, to another digital currency like Bitcoin uh, when they create these. And it's also going to tell citizens uh, that uh, you know, digital currency is a good idea. It's going to be a great marketing uh, event for Bitcoin, um, but no threat at all. Uh, do you think the Canadians will accept it with open arms? Uh, why not? They probably, you know, they'll probably buy into the government propaganda. Ninety-nine percent of people do. Uh, more than ninety-nine percent of people thinks that uh, that central bank is a great idea. That we need to dilute the value of money to be able to keep people in jobs. But before central banks were created, uh, we, we, we also had lots of people in job. We just had it with sound money when gold was money. Uh, you don't need anyone to dilute your savings or your salary um, to keep you in a job. That's a lie that 99% of people believe. And, and we're going to talk about the uh, about it on the United States side in, in very soon. But I do want to hear the other dudes uh, take Jan, your take on uh, the Canadians, are, are, the, 
are they going to accept this? And uh, and I agree with you, Anders. I, they the ninety nine they won't question it. They they think it's great. They'll probably give them some of it for free. It'll who knows what they'll come up with. Uh, but I do find it fascinating that we're getting getting closer. Our neighbors to the north. It's it's getting closer. It's, I mean, if you would have mentioned this in twenty fifteen, it would have seemed very far fetched. But uh, now now we're there. So uh, uh, Jan, what's your take? Yes. Yeah, so hopefully, again, we'll get cut out. I agree that um, people will accept it, and I think there's a nice little carrot and stick going on here with uh, the world economy being in trouble. And of course, you know, we believe it's in trouble because of what central banks have done. Uh, and of course, the solution comes from the central banks. So they create their own problems and they, they create their own solutions. And one solution that we're seeing now is, like, for example, UBI or getting people, you know, uh, stimulus checks or whatever. So they're going to use those stimulus checks as a sort of carrot to say, you know, sign up for this account, we'll drop money for you directly, which is nice. I mean, it's nice for people to be able to get direct money from the government. That's what they want. People want that. Uh, at the same time, it gives the central banks a nice lever, right? Because they can now monitor, censor, they can implement negative interest rates, which, you know, there's a paper uh, that came out in 2019 uh, at the IMF. It's called Cashing In, How to Make Negative Interest Rates Work. And they talk exactly about this thing. They say, look, if we just eliminate cash and have everybody have a digital account at the central bank, it's very easy. We just turn a lever and we start having negative interest and we can even force savers to basically spend their money or lose it. Um, and they can only do that if all the money is entirely digital, because as long as there's cash in the system, they have to dilute it in different ways. But once it's digital, it's really, really easy for them to just even literally charge you a fee for keeping it in the bank. So, um, you know, it, it's going to happen. I think there's no doubt about it. As Andrew said, we're already living in a world where most money is digital. It's already sitting in our banks in a digital form. Uh, the central bank version of this will probably be with more oversight. Um, on the other hand, it also will distribute dollars to possibly other people in the world that need them, um, which is, you know, right now that's the, the dominant system we have. The dollars are the gold today. They are the reserve currency of the world. And in a lot of jurisdictions, they are actually a store of value. Like, I mean, you might say dollars don't store value, but for Venezuelans, they do, right? Um, so you have to look at it with a nuanced way, uh, with a nuanced viewpoint that, that today dollars are still working for a lot of the world. And the United States is basically, you know, printing all these dollars and exporting our inflation to other parts of the world, um, which actually need those dollars. Now, I don't know how long that system lasts for, but definitely this uh, movement to central bank digital currencies is going to be part of that whole machinery of getting everybody digitized, getting them all on board with the, these accounts, and then being able to monitor, censor, and uh, implement negative interest rates uh, as people please, which yeah, is the, the, a little scary. Yeah, the monitoring and, cen and censoring is is going to be a big deal uh, well, for people who care about that. But man, you hit the nail on the head. This They can easily do the negative interest rates this way if they get 90% compliance. <laughs> Everyone will be like, oh, it's a, look, the, I can have a bank account with the government. It's so easy. They send me the check in the mail. Um, by the way, Gregor Ka Ka Kovacs said Shabbat Shalom, and he sent $9.99. So I'll go over to the uh, the Bitcoin rabbi. Shabbat Shalom, Bitcoin rabbi. What's, what's your take on uh, Canada and, and, and uh, central bank digital currencies? Uh, I didn't see that article, but I know that uh, Putin, either he said it recently or it was posted recently, uh, that he didn't think that he thought it was antithetical, the idea of a, of a government made digital currency. I just don't understand what is the 
novelty. I mean, I am a little bit of, of, of nuance of whether it's a to you know, it's tokenized or whatever, but what is that practical difference between the digital currency? I mean, all the, I don't use cash. All of my US dollars are digital right now. So I don't really see the, the significant difference between what they're planning. Uh, you know, it sounds like they're just trying to jump on the hype. Uh, and, and that there's not much of a practical difference between the digital. The, the dollar is already digital. The Canadian dollar is already digital. What 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 are you gonna slap a blockchain on it and call it a cryptocurrency? Then I I don't know. I don't I don't see it as very exciting one way or another. Not good or bad. It's exciting for them because they can just turn you off in one second if they don't. They like yeah, do I that. think it's more about central control. You know, my, but they do that same thing with my. I'm saying, do you think instead of having a, a, a my bank app, I'm going to have a Fed app that has it? I, I think I it could know. be like we have the, each dollar could be individually like each dollar is individually serial number now, right? Each actual cash dollar is, yeah. but with uh -huh. the digital ones. Uh huh. Is that Whoa. the difference that they could that it's a token instead of just accounts? Uh, I don't know if that's if they are. It seems that my bank is already able to to have you know full control over the money as it is right now. So I don't see it as a significant uh, upgrade or downgrade. All right, Jan, you got your sound got cut off there for a second. Yeah, sorry. I was just saying that I think it just, again, it's a bit more centralized control with today's payments. You know, if you send $100 to somebody, that's a number that moved in the database and that person has $100 that is, you know, it's effectively fungible um, with a central bank. I mean, this is how I would imagine they would implement it is that each dollar would actually be tracked just like each UTXO and Bitcoin is. So you can actually follow each dollar around completely from its inception down to its, you know, final destination. Um, and you can also do things like, you know, increase or decrease the number of dollars in the system transparently, which could be a potentially a good thing. Um, right now, it's done quite not transparently through, uh, you know, through the creation of credit and stuff like that. But they could actually completely alter the money supply if these things are digital and they could just say, OK, I want to burn that specific dollar and that specific dollar is no longer usable. They're not burning an account. They're burning a specific dollar that mm -hmm. could potentially happen. I, I don't know if that's what they're planning, but I'm just saying, you know, that's what I uh, imagine would be uh, okay. possible. All right, dudes. Uh, Andres, or anyone else have anything else to say before we move on? We're going to move on to inflation right now, uh, which which is related. Uh, yeah, I, I just want to say what uh, Jan just said is is actually really uh, interesting uh, because uh, unlike today, they will really be able to see uh, not only who has how much money in their bank account, but they can also see the money you have every single place that you spend it everything about you can be tracked down they can see when you spend ten dollars in a in a 7-eleven if you go to uh whole foods or gelson or ralph's wherever you spend your money they can track it like um uh, just said it's it's uh you know when it's a blockchain you can follow it uh so that is a very bad thing in terms of becoming a super surveillance society. But at the same time, it would be nice if uh, when when the US government, like they've just done, uh, have handed out incredible amount of billions in, in payment prote protection program to a lot of companies and they refuse to disclose who got those billions and billions and billions of dollars. So that, that really points to corruption, if you ask me, because if government and hand out a lot of money without any sort of transparency 
um, more accountability. Uh, who is to say that you don't hand out a hundred billion to someone that's going to send you back ten billion as a thank you very much? You you don't have any accountability at all. That's just what I wanted to say. All right. Well, let, let, let's talk about the money printing because uh, inflation is the new normal. It, it, it seems like uh, we've set the United States has set a pretty bad precedent here. Uh, everyone. Whenever there's going to be a crisis, everyone is going to expect a check. And maybe when there's not a crisis, UBI seemed like a radical idea two years ago. UBI is, uh, I mean, very mainstream right now. <laughs> very, very mainstream. And I, I was a guy that thought for a while, well, we'll be able to pull this off for the inflation won't show up for quite some time. But now the, the states uh, haven't been collecting uh, taxes as as they expected this year because they shut down uh, private business. So they're going to need bailouts from the government. There's going to be all sorts of uh, dollar uh, dollar uh, checks uh, written out by the government. So the inf I, I don't know when it will happen, but I know, now I'm not saying hyperinflation. I, I'm still not saying that. But it's becoming pretty obvious that the inflation's got to show up somewhere because it's just – we're in, we're in a new extreme. I, who, who could have ever predicted this? So I, I want to hear – Bitcoin Rabbi, I don't know if we've ever talked about inflation before. So I, I want to hear your take uh, on the uh, possible inflationary situation that we're about to experience. Um, yeah, I mean I've said uh, – I don't know to you, but uh, the, lots of times the, the basically the reason that I'm here, the reason I'm into Bitcoin is that I remember – uh, as a kid, my father used to go every time we'd go around, we'd go to the movies, we'd go to the store to go to the gas station, get, he would tell me every single thing we bought. When I was a kid, this thing used to cost 10 times as less. When I was, a, he said, when I, you know, we would go to the movie theaters and, and when I was a kid, it was $8. I don't know what it is now. I haven't been to a movie in, in, a, in over a decade, but, uh, he said, you know, when I was a kid, it was 25 cents. And uh, when my when his father, when my grandfather was a kid, uh, the movies were were five cents for two tickets. So his mother would send him to the theater with two cents and told her to find a rich kid who had three cents and they could get in together. So that was like how I grew up, knowing that that's how things, uh, you know, inflation and that like primed me for uh, coming to, to Bitcoin. You know, I first thought maybe gold was the answer didn't really pan out that way because the the gold markets are are paper markets uh primarily um but uh yeah i think think that the you know i'm not an expert in the numbers that the government's come out they have different numbers for different amounts of inflation um but i think that we see in our lives more inflation than is actually reported um and i used to be you know uh, 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 fiscally conservative back when I thought that that was actually possible politically. But when you see that nobody has any political will for it, so then you just kind of become, when they're just printing, you just become like a uh, accelerationist. So I'm like, I'm like, where's my second check? I got one check, you know, uh, a few months ago. Where's my next check? Like print, you know, print that skid, send them out. Like I just, I don't think that there's any political will to turn it the other way. And so it's just, it, it's inevitable. And it's, I mean, it's unfortunate, but maybe that's the, the human nature. That's why we need Bitcoin, because there's no way to politically not inflate your currency, uh, whether it be a little bit or a lot or something. And the only way is if you have it, you know, hard coded in. Okay. And what you just said is what the realization that has hit me. 
the political will, it's never going to be there anymore. They, they cannot say no. They have to please the people. Even the so-called conservatives are going to give in. It's, not, it's, not even, it's impossible. You can't win a, a, a political race if you say, I'm going to give you less than the other guy. It's not, it's just the system isn't built that way. So there's no, it's just, it's it's a flaw in the game theory of democratic uh, politics plus fiat currency. Yes. Pound that like button. I haven't been to the movie theater in 10 years either or something like that. I don't remember. It's been a while. All right. Uh, Jan, Jan <laughs> what's, what's your take uh, on the political will and inflation? Really? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I have been to the movies because uh, me and my wife love to go to the movies and we're like the only people in there now. Nobody goes to the movies anymore. <laughs> well, pre, pre COVID, uh, we, we pay 20 bucks to $25 per ticket now. So wow. 25 cents to $25. Holy crap. <laughs> That's a leap. Yeah. Uh, or a nickel to, to, to $25. Um, I agree. I mean, look, inflation is here. Uh, the government has a very flawed measure of it. The CPI is a horrible way to measure inflation because they substitute things in and out of it. So it doesn't really make sense. But we all know from daily experience that it's here. Um, we also know that it's here in way more than others. I mean, like education, healthcare, housing, you know, the stock market, right? So when we say that the inflation isn't here, it's a completely bogus um, statement because it just depends on how you look at it. You can have things that are one, on one side inflating, the other side, you know, deflating. Like technology, for example, is a deflationary force, right? It's making computers and cell phones cheaper and all that kind of stuff. But on the other hand, um, we have, you know, all this money being injected into the system. And, and you basically look at, like, who's getting this money, right? So if it's people who are getting these billion-dollar loans, then that money ends up in, you know, rich people's pockets. What do they do? They go out and buy stocks with it, right? They pump up the, the asset prices of everything. And so this basically creates this massive uh, you know, wealth gap where the rich people are getting a lot richer. Uh, poor people are basically getting their you know, $1,200 stimulus check, which is ridiculous. What are they going to do with that? They're going to buy food and they're going to try to make it to the next month, right? So it's like what they're doing really is they're continuing to skew the system, which uh, it basically makes rich people richer. And then those rich people are the ones that pay the politicians. And then it creates the cycle. We all know the, the cancel in effects. This is, this is what causes this whole thing to keep going, right? So I think, uh, like the rabbi said, the game theory is not in favor of ever turning this off. Once you get this ball rolling, then you always want more and you need more because if you don't get enough, if you don't get more, then the guy next to you gets more, then he's going to have the money and, you know, the, the inflation is going to be in his favor. So now it's everybody scrambling to, for their piece of the pie. And politically, yeah, the, I mean, of course, who's going to vote against getting a check? <laughs> I, I want a check. Why not? Right. Um, so it's just going to keep going. Yeah, if people use their head, they would get a real asset with the, that free money, and that is Bitcoin. Bitcoin does uh, some people are. <laughs> yes, yes, and, and so uh, it's worth repeating here, telling people that it's uh, this is real. That the politicians, it's not going to get better at all. Now, I I, I, I saved Anders for last because he loves this kind of stuff, and <laughs> you, you can talk about hyper Bitcoinization too if you think this will. Uh, well, lead, lead to the destruction of the dollar and, and lead people to actually use Bitcoin as their main uh, their main squeeze in a few years. So right. take it away, uh, baby. Sure. I'll, I'll try and keep that for as late as possible so I don't get started too early on that. Uh, I, I, I think that um, this money printing, the, the, the problem is that it doesn't reach the, the average go. It doesn't reach normal middle class. It doesn't reach... Uh, poor people the same way as it reaches uh, people with assets. So 
um, as they cannot, they don't really have much more money, like $1,200, what is that? Um, that is not enough to, uh, you know, create inflation in the price of food, for instance. But the inflation is, you know, extremely present when it comes to assets, um, because that, that money that is being printed is especially um, flowing freely into to stocks and, uh, and real estate. And uh, money printing is, in, in my opinion, is really what has created the inequality that we see in the society today. People, well, some people blame capitalism for having created this, but that is so wrong in my opinion. First of all, the central bank is not a capitalist institution. You have a, a board of people who on the behalf on the entire uh, country is deciding the price of the single by far most important commodity in the country. Now the price is the interest rate. That is the price of money. Money is half the economy because it is on one hand of all transactions, all purchases, all goods and services. On one half you have money. So you have a board of people without um, that is not being audited, uh, deciding the price, uh, and that is exactly you know how communism works. You have a committee um, sitting sitting around together and deciding the price of this of this commodity, which is money. Um, so so that is far from capitalism. Capitalism is the free market deciding interest rates, the price of money, um, and and. The problem with this money printing is it doesn't benefit poor people or, or, or middle class, normal working people, because it, it, with the dilution of the money supply, obviously money becomes worth less. Uh, Bitcoin Rabbi uh, said it clearly about how the price of, uh, I love that story, by the way, about the go with two cents and find someone else. Um, you know, it's, it's, U.S. dollars has lost more than 96% of its purchasing power since 1913. Um, so uh, it, it, it doesn't benefit people who just have an income. It, money printing only benefits people who not only have assets, but especially um, leveraged assets. And leveraged assets means like you have borrowed against it. So that is especially housing. Uh, at real estate in general, commercial or or or, um, or no uh, housing, um, because that debt, that mortgage that you have, as more money is being printed, that is going towards zero in real value, basically. Yet the the price of the real estate, the entire price is inflating together with the money supply increase. So. You can you can start off with a little bit of equity in that house, um, and then when there is inflation, it's you know that little bit of equity benefits from the entire price rise in the real estate. So, so uh, yeah, money supply is, is really the reason that if, I mean if you look back to the '60s in U.S., you had a phenomenal middle class. The middle class was big. You could have one income, and you could live in a house, and you would have a car, and uh, you know. People could go on holidays, and people had a life. Uh, today, what I see uh, in Los Angeles is, is is people have a financial gun to their head, um, and and they're uh, surviving, you know, month to month. Even people in great, you know, jobs. Um, so uh, uh, 
that that's that's the problem with central banks. I feel is especially the creating that inequality, and it's not the fault of capitalism. It is because it's a communist style uh, central committee deciding the price um, of money being interest rates. Uh, and eventually, yes, I mean, you mentioned uh, hyperinflation. It, eventually, that will lead to um, enough people realizing the, the problem of money printing. Uh, like right now, if, for instance, if I ask my mother, she doesn't see it as a problem. Uh, she doesn't see, you know, she sees Bitcoin as risky. Uh, I, I see fiat dollars or fiat currency as risky because you know it's guaranteed to lose value every single year. How can you say Bitcoin is risky? I mean, um, so eventually there will be enough consciousness about the fact that that fiat currency is losing to Bitcoin. And that's when all of a sudden, you know, it'll be the drop that overflows uh, the cup. And, and then people will rush to get to a better money when enough realize it. Personally, I think, you know, um, so Preston Pish calls it um, escape velocity of the price of Bitcoin. I, I believe actually that's a nicer or better um, term than hyper Bitcoinization, although it's, I mean, it's the same thing. Um, I, I think that this Bitcoin uh, having price bull run that I, you know, many of us expect to see now the next one and a half years probably is not enough to reach that escape velocity. It could be uh, the chances there, but I don't think it's enough. But the next one um, in 2024, which will see a bull run going into, you know, 2025, by that time, I, I mean, I very much believe in the stock to flow model from plan B. And, and when you look at what price Bitcoin will be at, at that stage, um, then, you know, at a couple of million dollars per Bitcoin, you will actually have Bitcoin making up about 50% of global monetary value. And when you, when Bitcoin reaches that stage, the, the awareness about how much inflation it creates in fiat currency because all of a sudden it doesn't have the value that it had before that's i think gonna be something media will start to realize and talk about and educate people about um unless they're on the payroll from the government of course uh, that that um you know money on prices are now rising simply because people are exiting fiat uh, to get bitcoin because more and more realize it's the sound money and and then everyone will be running to the escape goal of fiat currency and, and, and run towards Bitcoin because it has become so big that you cannot uh, ignore it any longer. And, and that's when I think we have escape velocity. And, and once you reach, you know, two, three million dollars per Bitcoin, it, it'll just continue towards infinity. All right. That is a classic. That is a classic Anders rant there. That's for the people tune in. Best guest in the space. Pound that like button. I would have moved on to the, the opposite of spending uh, continually. The news this week was that since the having, since the having the number of people that uh, entities that have a thousand or more Bitcoin has increased. And in the, over the last year, the amount of dormant Bitcoin has reached an all time high. So there is some major saving going on here. And I see that as as a positive in the Bitcoin uh, overlay here. We're talking when we're talking about inflation and hyperinflation. We're talking about the regular world, but here where the people already know all these things, 
uh, people are becoming bigger savers, it seems like. So, uh, Jan, you're, you're, any thoughts about that, uh, saving uh, increases here? And I guess you, you're probably seeing more people buy Bitcoin at, uh, over at uh, Swan. Oh, is we Jan are done? indeed, yes. Um, yeah, I, I think that we've seen some interesting analysis. I don't know if you've guys seen the HODL waves analysis from Unchained Capital, um, but they looked at what was going on in the recent sell-off that would ha that would happen before or during the COVID kind of uh, <laughs> trough that happened in the market and uh, regular markets as well as Bitcoin. But it was all recent buyers. It was all people, you know, it was all coins that were like six months old that were moving and a lot of the older coins were not. So what I think is happening is uh, a, a shift in narrative and a shift in understanding of Bitcoin, where the people who have been in it for longer understand that it as a long-term store of value. Uh, even though like a lot of people were misled about Bitcoin in the early days because it was fast, it was cheap, right? Uh, nobody was using it. So of course the transactions were nearly free. So a lot of people thought of Bitcoin as a, like a micropayment or spend it and replace the kind of currency. And uh, this is where you had the split with you know, Bcash and, and those folks. Uh, who still kind of buy that narrative. But I think other people have understood Bitcoin more as a long-term uh, play here. We were very, very early in Bitcoin. I mean, we think less than 1% of the world has enough Bitcoin to matter, especially people who have in, in their own custody. So we're very early. And uh, I think people are recognizing that Bitcoin is a new type of money and not a payment system. And so they're starting to save it and to you know, accumulate it for the future. And that's a very good thing for this to actually turn into a real money. As it, you know, it has to be widely distributed enough. People have to accumulate enough of it to, to matter. Uh, you, know, you, you can't go around spending Bitcoin if nobody wants it, nobody accepts it in, in terms of merchants. It has to actually be a better money than anything else. And it's in the process of doing that. I mean, we, we believe it's a better money, but not everybody believes that. So it takes time for that to happen. And I think what we are seeing is the change of that narrative towards saving accumulation and uh, looking at it as a store of value, which is essential to long term. It really becoming a global money uh, that is used, um, you know, everywhere. All right, Bitcoin Rob, Rabbi. No doubt you're one of those guys that uh, has just gotten to a thousand Bitcoins since the halving. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what's going on with that? Is it a, a new a shift in a mindset, uh, or I mean, uh, what's your take? Um, yeah, I don't know if that is, or if those are all individuals, or if those are uh, custodial uh, custodians, or what the uh, overlap of that is. But I think it's generally a, a good sign that um, you know older coins are staying put. And then we had that. Uh, what was it like a few weeks ago? Um, in regards to CSW, we had the old miner, those old coins from 2009, a few, uh, two different things. One was moving them and then one was, uh, signing that like they're holding onto their coins. Um, I feel like Max Kaiser said something like when he discovered Bitcoin, he's like, I want to get the right people into Bitcoin early to, you know, so the people that, that, you know, discover Bitcoin and are holding their coins are probably the kind of people that you want to be, uh, holding the coins and having, uh, that kind of influence, uh, as, as it, as it grows. So like Bitcoin kind of weeds out, uh, people based on their, you know, understanding of, you know, freedom and, uh, economics and, and, you know, to have Bitcoin and make the right kind of decisions with it. As far as new people coming in, I think that the, uh, you know, I push hard and, uh, against the, um, 
you know, commerce and spending narrative of Bitcoin. Um, I, I, I never really bought into that. I mean, when you first heard about it in 2017, it sounded kind of like, you know, reasonable, but the more that you, you know, think about it and develop it, it's, it just is, is, is completely illog illogical at this stage in the adoption of a, a curve of Bitcoin. And I don't think that new people that are coming into it now are buying into that as much as they were in the last way in the last, you know, in the 2015, 16, 17, where people were coming in thinking that this is a uh, payments, internet, uh, e-commerce kind of thing, even though it may have that and there might be some use of it. But people that are coming in now are looking at, at it more compared to they see the money that the that they have in the uh, stores of value that they have in the stock market and this and it all seems just like funny money. You know, you look at the way people are treating, you look at uh, at uh, Dave Portnoy and like how people are treating the stock market. Nobody, even if they're going to make money on it, they don't really believe in that. And and no one really knows the what the, the value in, in, in uh, you know, housing prices and, and property and other kinds of stores of value. It all just seems like it's funny money. And so Bitcoin, maybe also, you know, they don't fully get it, but they're looking at it at least from that perspective of like investment as opposed to like uh, a kind of like... Uh, uh, app coin, like it was thought of in like 2017. Yeah, the the weak hands are getting uh, weeded out. They're joining the uh, stock market gambling casino, and the strong hands are getting stronger. That's uh, that's what we're talking about. Anders, your your take on uh, everything we've been talking about that there are there are savers in, in this world, and people aren't some people aren't moving their Bitcoin. Right. Um, well, I think that uh, first of all, the like the amount of addresses that has a thousand Bitcoin um, is uh, is not necessarily individuals. Like you can never use that analysis for anything because uh, if Coinbase decides a different cold storage strategy where they don't have uh, you know a hundred thousand Bitcoin in one address, but they decide to split it up in smaller chunks, then all of a sudden you have more you know addresses for a thousand people. Uh, what what I what I will say is that you know, it's so few people who have a meaningful amount of, of money in Bitcoin that it's still extremely early. Sure, there might be, you know, towards 1% that has $50 or $100, but uh, that's not really opting out of the system. Um, it's, 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 it's when people start saying, you know, instead of having my $15,000 cash or whatever they have, if they're in a good position and, and having that in their bank account, it's when they switch it from fiat to, to Bitcoin that that they're really starting to be um, in Bitcoin. And it's just so few people. I, I do want to say that the analysis that was done, they they classify uh, the 1,000 the Bitcoin holders as entities. I think it's Glassnode who, who did the mm -hmm. analysis. I'll, I'll, have to link, okay. I'll have to link to it below. So they, I mean, we're trusting them, but uh, just I think it's, it's pretty legit. Uh, the, the, uh, they've, they've really defined what a real entity is, and they know that Coinbase itself is one entity. If they split it a, a million different ways, it's just it's still right, one right. entity. Right, right, okay. All right, that so, makes sense. You could yeah. probably do that with like analysis of, of, the, of the chain and movements and see what, what comes together. And then I would say it's probably a matter of, um, you know, some of the really big whales, uh, they, they do sell Bitcoin once a while um, to, uh, you know, um, pay bills or essentially 
you know, if you're already totally financially independent, you would be selling uh, Bitcoin once a while. Um, and, and then more entities having a thousand Bitcoin um, is probably because you, you start having more family offices coming in, investing in Bitcoin, um, you know, different level of institutions, uh, like the types of old Tudor Jones, you know, he is one new entity that surely has a thousand Bitcoin, you know, it was worth 2% of his portfolio of, of what is it, $6 billion or something that he's allocated. Um, so you, you will have more and more people, I guess. Yeah, for sure. All right. Let's let's talk about the Paul Tudor Jonesification of Bitcoin, because he brings in a lot of uh, boomers, traditional people who don't want to control their own private key, who want to do things uh, through their retirement funds and through traditional methods. And what we see here, uh, we've been holding, you know, the, the new supply of Bitcoin's been uh, cut in half and we hear every week that uh, GBTC is buying an incredible amount of it. That's uh, the Bitcoin trust of, uh, of Barry Silbert. And we read we read that, uh, I think Phoenix, uh, what is this? The, the, this uh, arrow, three arrows capital now holds more than 6% uh, of Grayscale's uh, Bitcoin trust. So. A big entity is buying into the, the Grayscale Trust. More people want to be part of the Grayscale Trust. And then we have uh, Wilshire Phoenix files to launch a, a, a competitor to the GBTC, to the uh, uh, Barry Silbert's uh, Bitcoin Trust. So uh, I, I guess my, my question to Jan is, what is up with this? Are we entering a realm of where uh, we're going to get all these traditional investors in that uh, they don't care about holding uh, the real thing? We're going to want these these trusts. Are we going to see more of these trusts? Uh, I think it's I think it's bullish for Bitcoin because uh, at, at least people are hearing about it and they, they clearly want to be a part of it, but they're kind of scared to you know hold their own private keys or they want to do it through their retirement fund. So I just said a mouthful there, but uh, what's your what's your take there, Jan? Yeah, I mean, look, Bitcoin is a complicated thing right now. It's still very early. It's still very difficult to use. And I do think that a lot of people are coming into Bitcoin and they're not ready for self-custody, which is really why we built our product to start with custody and then sort of educate people off of it. And I think a lot of people, I mean, look, if, if my parents come in, my grandparents are buying Bitcoin, they're probably never going to take self-custody. And I'm okay with that. There's different levels of Bitcoin self-custody, which are important depending on where you live. And I always look at Bitcoin almost as I bifurcated. I say, look, in the United States, Bitcoin for the most part is a luxury good. We, you know, it's for people with, with some means who are able to buy a little bit and they don't care if it's custodial or not because they're not really that worried about the government confiscating it. Now, I know in Bitcoin, like we all are supposed to be super paranoid about that. But look, I, like I came from the Soviet Union. There, people would confiscate your Bitcoin, right? We, we don't live in a, the Soviet Union. We live in a rule of law country. I know Executive Order 6102 happened. It could happen again, but I, I really doubt it. Um, I think a lot of things have changed since then. But I think in a lot of jurisdictions, like if you're in Venezuela and it's more of a life and death thing, or you think the government's going to come and confiscate your mining equipment, you do want to have self-custody of your of your Bitcoin. So I think people in different places, they're going to get into self-custody based on necessity. Necessity is the mother of invention, right? As we say, when you need self-custody, you will come to it. If you don't need it, well, you're probably going to just live with a custodial service for a while. And that's probably okay in some places. Um, like the United States. Now, I'll say this: in the in the Western world, there is a, a, a quite a level of, of luxury to a point where you know people don't want to work anymore, and they're just doing wild things, it's things you could never do in, in the developing world. You you, you got to work, or you're going to starve. I mean, uh, but so so I, I say this uh, because 
we, we have people who want this uh, to get into this Bitcoin trust type of thing. Do you see this increasing in, in the Western world? Do you see more competitors to GBTC? I think it's all pretty temporary. I mean, GBTC, the existence of GBTC is basically like, how do you get Bitcoin into an IRA or how do you get Bitcoin into like a, you know, an E-Trade account? Like, so it's easy because GBTC exists. But once there's an ETF with like super low fees, I mean, GBTC tends to have a giant premium because you have to be an accredited investor to get it at, you know, a NAV. Otherwise you're paying like tremendous premiums over NAV. So it's just completely silly. The whole vehicle is silly and temporary. And, you know, hats off to Barry for figuring out a way to capitalize on the pump, <laughs> but it's not, it's not a sane thing to do. So, um, yes, institutions will do it because it has all this regulatory wrappers around it. Eventually we'll have, an ETF, eventually we'll have way easier ways to self-custody and then we'll have people doing that instead. So I just think it's a matter of time. All right. Uh, Anders, real quick, your, your take on GBTC and, uh, the, the paperization of uh, Bitcoin and uh, wealthy people getting in that way? Yeah, I, I think uh, I totally agree with what uh, Jan said. It's a, it's a vehicle, but um, and, and um, it serves a purpose right now. You pay a, a high premium, uh, but eventually it doesn't make sense to have a stock that owns uh, Bitcoin when, uh, when Bitcoin is the only money around, when there's no longer fiat currency. Because if, if you're holding Bitcoin denominated in Bitcoin, uh, what's the point? You'd probably rather use a custodial service instead of paying a 2% yearly management fee. I mean, right now it, it, it does serve a purpose and it makes sense in certain uh, instances. Um, but uh, but it, it, it's not going to make sense 10 years from now at the end of this decade. Um, but uh, totally, uh, hats off to Barry Silbert for making 2% of an insane amount of Bitcoin um, that he's holding every year. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's doing well with his fees there. More people keep pouring into it and there's going to be a competitor. Uh, so I, 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 it doesn't make sense to, for me at all, but I just think there's so, there's some people, and this goes back to, you know, is it money? Is it technology? Some people are so freaked out by the technology. They just want someone else to handle it for them. And this is like the flavor of the month type of thing. Oh, and it, it involves a traditional management style that so many people are used to. Uh, do, do you hear about any of this uh, Bitcoin rabbi when you're talking about to the common man uh, out there on the street? Uh, do they do they know about the do, do they want to hold it? Do they want to join these uh, the, these trusts? Yeah, so I had an interesting story right after um, Paul Tudor Jones, who I'm not uh, a, like a traditional investor, so I wasn't familiar with him until he made his uh, Bitcoin splash. Um, but the, I think one day after that or two days later, I got a call um, from my father uh, shared my phone number with one of his uh, friends and neighbors who is a parent who I had met like once um and he is an investor and he gets the Paul Tudor Jones uh, newsletter. And so uh, he calls me up and he says, I, I, this is the first I'm hearing about Bitcoin. He says that we have to get some. I signed up. He told me what exchange he signed up for. You know, tell me, give me the, you know, give me the spiel. Tell me what you, you know, is it a good time now? Is it a, what should I do? Whatever. So anyways, I explained to him, I talked to him why I think it is. I said, I'm not a, I'm not a trader. I don't know. Good timing. You know, any time is a good time. Um, 
I have to, but uh, but it, it was also, you know, so it was a great conversation. He wanted to, you know, buy some, I t- you know, he wanted to buy it. I explained him the difference between, uh, you know, self-custody and using a custodian, what the advantages are and the risks of each one of them. Um, he decided, he's an older gentleman, decided to go with the, uh, using the exchange as a custody, uh, fine. Um, maybe better for somebody who is uh, not as tech savvy and not able to properly secure their private keys. Um, but one of the disappointing things about that conversation and that, and with all the conversations that you have with people is how much time you have to spend wasting explaining to them not to buy the other junk on the exchanges. <laughs> How, you know, it's every conversation you spend one because you spend two thirds telling them how great Bitcoin is, how, you know, you should be. And then you have to spend one third of the time telling them, but don't buy the, the, the B cash and don't buy the other stuff because you don't understand it. You look at, you know, you, you, you don't get the difference and, and then you have to go. It's so complicated and it's very annoying because the, the, the Bitcoin brand is so good and the Bitcoin brand is so it's, it has, I think under age 65 is like 99, 90% uh, brand recognition or, or name awareness in the United States, at least, um, and people understand and they know it. They have maybe they're 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 unsure about it, but they have at least some trust in it. It's been around as long as it has. They they feel that. And then to have that diluted, at least the brand diluted, and having to spend so much time, that's just a very frustrating thing to have to go through every single new investor. And okay. that's what you have to do. That's and, and- uh, Sounds like you're still in shilling swan there, Bitcoin. Right? I, I, well, I think we might talk about, you know. Well, and that's the thing. I, I've got a follow-up for you there because we, we were going to talk about – we're going to talk about Swan in a second, Bitcoin, Rabbi. But I, I – um, Coinbase, Coinbase has gone full altcoin here. I mean they're not they, – they've made it easier for altcoins – they made it easier for all sorts of altcoins to join. Okay, and they're not—they're not hiding it. That's their business model. That's—that's that's the way they're going to do. Um, so you, you can comment on that if you want to, because that is a way that so many people find out about uh, cryptocurrency is—is is Coinbase, and then they—they—they they, they have that exact problem that you described. But on the uh, something I want to bring up: Have you been hearing a lot about Ethereum and this DeFi and this 2.0 thing? Because for me, it's every week it, it, it's increasing. Yeah, not in not of new people, not of older people, of people that have been in the space. Ethereum fans and and altcoin people, crypto people that have been in the crypto space since 2017 are very excited about that. But no new people are interested. No American actually needs DeFi because they have finance. You know, that's the, they don't need any of these things. Uh, and some of the companies that call themselves DeFi aren't really DeFi. So uh, no, I don't think any of the new people are coming in and really excited because they can do loans, which they could have already done. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Uh, Jan's probably got to be, what, what's your take on this? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. Say, you don't have to talk about Coinbase or anything like that. No, no. I, I was just going to say kind of to echo Bitcoin rabbis. Like we, we live on Bitcoin Twitter where it's completely distorted. On Bitcoin Twitter or crypto Twitter or wherever, there's like a lot of people talking about DeFi and Ethereum and like altcoins. But in real life, that's not <laughs> Bitcoin has like 99.9% brand recognition over any of these things. Shit. No, 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 no. You're, 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 you're here still, man. You're here. Uh, my Wi-Fi does not want to cooperate today. Sorry about that. No, no, um, you're, 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 you're. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, the the you know the the what I was saying is yeah, in real life people just don't Bitcoin. They just know Bitcoin. They don't know anything else. And I agree with with the rabbi when you send them to a place which is like, oh, you're here to buy Bitcoin. Well, let me tell you about these thirty other coins, and we're going to pay you to educate them. It's a complete disaster. And I think it's sad that Coinbase went that way. You know, there's money in it. Obviously, as a business, they have the responsibility to try to maximize you know shareholder value or whatever. But it's absolutely absurd. Uh, so it's not a good place to send people and it sucks because I, I was onboarded through Coinbase in 2013 and it was great at the time. It was very easy. You go on there, you press a button, you buy Bitcoin. Um, but that's not what it is anymore. And I think that's, that's fundamentally the problem is you do have to educate people on what these other coins only if they're exposed to them. If you send them to a place that only has Bitcoin, they're never even going to ask a question because real people in real life don't know about Ethereum. Like I promise you, nobody knows about <laughs> Ethereum outside of Silicon Valley, small pockets. My FedEx delivery guy asked me about XRP. Oh, oh. well, yeah, XRP <laughs> he is a delivered, <laughs> delivered my my books, and he sees that it has Bitcoin written on it, and he's like, "Oh, you know Bitcoin? I've been looking to, into XRP." But I, he he, I, I convinced him out of it, and like he oh, drove man. by me like a few months later. He gave me like big thumbs up, like <laughs> smart move. So, yeah, right. well, you, you, you did mention Silicon Valley there, and uh, inside the Silicon Valley, uh, they they are talking about that Ethereum, and right. for that, I, I, I think it will pump, and I think there will be that type of the DeFi madness will resemble the ICO madness. So, uh, Anders, you lived through all that. Uh, what's your take? Altcoins, Ethereum, pumpage. Uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, I. I... I think as, as many other maximalists or all other maximalists, I, I really see every single one of them uh, as scams. Um, they're created to make the founders rich. Uh, they're succeeding in that, most of them. Um, you know, big, big part of the um, coins, a big percentage of it is held by founders or co-founders. They each use different uh, buzzwords, uh, it's one big buzzword, bingo casino. They use different buzzwords to try and lure people in, um, like world computer for Ethereum, for instance. It's, it's not a world computer. Um, it is a blockchain. Um, uh, Litecoin being silver to uh, Bitcoin's gold is just uh, another joke. Um, gold needed silver because it, it was a physical thing and very small amounts you couldn't do it in gold you need like just a little bit of gold dust and gold dust you could easily lose so back then it made sense to have silver um and and let's not forget like if you look at today's prices silver is less than one percent the market cap of silver is less than one percent of gold's market cap uh it, it just plays a, a minute role um Bitcoin uh, doesn't have the problem that gold has, that it can't be um, subdivided. Bitcoin can be uh, subdivided indefinitely. We have Satoshis, and as I understand, if needed, once a Satoshi is worth enough, with a soft fork, we can even further divide a Satoshi. We don't need any silver. So yet, yeah, that, that's just another uh, uh, scam. It's, it's uh, in my opinion, the world's biggest uh, pump and dump um because the market capitalization essentially does make it the biggest and it's the same for every single coin um they, they have you know monero privacy but we will have privacy in bitcoin you don't need monero for privacy they, they use different things to attract uh people and and the whole story about um 
you know, it's great because we have new tech developed and then we can implement it in Bitcoin. Not one single thing has been implemented for these from these 2000 projects um, into Bitcoin simply because it's, it's not useful. They don't add any value whatsoever. They are speculative um, projects uh, that will eventually go to zero. That's another actually interesting uh, conversation. Um, some people say Bitcoin can't have a new bull run until uh, old coins uh, die out. But when you think about it and you think about Gresham's law, uh, all coins, I mean, even, you know, fiat currencies, all coins, uh, dollars, euro, et cetera, they're all different currencies uh, slash money in existence. And I don't think they will completely disappear until Bitcoin finally reaches that 99, 99 and a half percent or more um, market share of global money and thereby pushes them out, you know, pressures them out. Uh, it, it's not going to happen, uh, I think, until that. So they're, they're still going to be around. Unfortunately, there will be, you know, people will lose money by buying something that's eventually going to go to zero. But it, it's not going to happen until, you know, 2026, something like that, when Bitcoin takes over. Yeah, you mentioned buzzwords and gimmicks for the altcoins. That can a lot of people are convinced by that stuff. So it it can last a while. The they've got their own marketing teams. Uh, it's it's a little different than Bitcoin. So and people people want the next Bitcoin, but Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. Pound that like button. All right, yeah. we have we have reached the end of the show. Jan, you're about to say something, but I want you to talk about Swan also. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say that, uh, you know, I don't think they're going to zero because uh, penny stocks don't go to zero. I mean, a lot of times people just trade them forever uh, because they're gambling machines. And if you look at coin market cap, there's over 5,000 coins now. Um, I think in 2016, when I came on, it was like, I don't know, 100 or something less. Um, there's just going to be an infinite explosion in long tail of this because there's so much incentive to create a coin just to enrich yourself. I don't know if I agree with 100% the idea that everything is a scam. I mean, yes, it's a scam, but a lot of it's an inadvertent scam. Like there's a company that really wants to build the project, really believe in this. They're actually building something. The scam part is that they think they need their own money in this project where they should really just be building on Bitcoin. And I've said this a lot of times. I think there are good ideas in the altcoin space in terms of like, you know, like uh, a prediction market. Like there's nothing wrong with the prediction market software. Like, you know, Augur tried to do that, but does it need its own money? This is the problem, right? There's been prediction markets have been around for, for years. I actually worked on one and we use dollars. In the future, prediction markets will use Bitcoin, right? There can only really be one money. So it's that's the, really the fundamental problem is that these projects, even if the app itself has some merit using its own coin and creating its own money, now it's in competition against Bitcoin. That's the part that's a scam. And it's not always obvious to the founders that they've created a scam. Like they're legitimately just trying to do a thing to, you know, they're trying to build an app or they're doing some research, but they've created money and it competes with Bitcoin. And that's that's a losing proposition. Um, but yeah, this is why you should go to Swan. <laughs> go to Swan and buy some Bitcoin because that's the only thing we have for sale and we're not going to mislead you with any kind of uh, other education around other coins like uh, some other companies do. All right. <laughs> I, I want to say, and I said this on a recent show, your outreach at your company into the community is it's incredible. I mean, like everybody I have on the show now is somewhat associated with Swan. Oh yeah, I know those guys or I work for them. It's 
it, it's amazing what you've done in, in just the last few months, all of you over there. And that's Coinbase doesn't do that. They don't, they don't, I don't know if they have community. I don't, I don't think, think they have, they have the clout. This is the thing is like, we're being authentic and true with our message, right? We're coming out there and we're saying what people want to have been wanting to say and are now starting to say very loudly. Like look at any of Coinbase's uh, tweets and look at the comments on them. Like people are now really going after Coinbase. And I think we're just fortunate to be born in this uh, environment where people are fed up with this. You know, it wasn't clear to me three years ago, Coinbase was totally fine. It was great. I was recommending people to go to Coinbase, even like, you know, two years ago. And then all of a sudden it started becoming this altcoin casino. So, you know, we are out there and we're, we're Bitcoin people. We write Bitcoin books. We invest in Bitcoin companies. We focus on Bitcoin education. I was in the Bitcoin education space before Swan. And my mission was like, get more people on board to Bitcoin. So Swan for me, it's a vehicle to get more people into Bitcoin without getting them distracted. So we're telling that message, message authentically. And that's why people are, you know, are into it because they're like, they, that's what they've been feeling this whole time. Like we need a Bitcoin only on ramp. This is it. This is simple. Authenticity guys. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Jan, for, for appearing on the show. You're, you're very busy, master. Thank you for your time today. Thanks, it's, sir. It's, been, it's been awesome. And uh, you sounded great. So you, you were you were worried about the connection. It was good. It, was it good. kept dropping okay. out. <laughs> someone, someone was about to say something. Did someone yeah, just uh, I wanted to say so about Jan and, and his education. We uh, Jan's uh, book, Inventing Bitcoin, is one of is like my one of my favorites. I because it's a simple Thanks, and it's a it's a it's a quick read. It's like a hundred pages. I've probably read it cover to cover. I, I just like do it casually. I like if I uh, like I, I probably read it cover to cover five times or so. Yeah. Um, it's a great way to uh, next step is to get my wife to read it because uh, I've like, you know, quoted points to her. Um, but uh, when Jan and, and my book um, came out around the same time. And so we were both like in the, the book promotion. Uh, so we were like crossing paths a lot there. And um, we so we sent our books to together to Congress. Yes, that was awesome. Awesome was effort, fun. Rabbi. That was a lot of fun uh, sending uh, to the Congress people to give them a little education. That was like when Libra was happening. Um, but back to um, Swan is that um, it's I think of it kind of like it was like a revolt against like all of these companies, which even, you know, you can say, okay, there's, there are altcoins. People want to gamble on altcoins. You want to make profit on it. Okay. I, I don't have a moral qualm with that, but like throw a bone to Bitcoiners just from a, a, um, business point standpoint, you know, there's, there should be a differentiation between, uh, inviting people to gamble and, and trade between different things and, and onboarding onto Bitcoin. There, that should be a, mm -hmm. those are two separate ideas, even if maybe some people don't go and trade and gamble, some do, but those should be two separate ideas. And Bitcoiners were just saying like, I don't, I can't send somebody to a gambling site to onboard them onto Bitcoin because it's going to, to, to mess up the, you know, the, that, that whole process. And the and perception so, of it, right? Like yeah, what, exactly. what is Bitcoin? Is it just one, uh, one coin exactly. in a sea of gambling coins or is it something special? So the, that was the thing. So like when, when Corey reached out to me about Swan, I was like this, you know, it, 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 I've wanted to be like part of that Bitcoin revolt against the altcoin casino, you know, that the, you need, there needs to be a place that does is, that does this and, and has this. And so like, yeah, I, I think it's great that, uh, that 
that that that made a space um you know that that it is really you know bitcoin made by bitcoiners for bitcoiners or by bitcoiners for their fa- for them and their families and so like that i really did appreciate that's why so many of the people in the space have gotten behind it because it's a pretty simple message you know buy and hold bitcoin and you know dca is a good way to do it and 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 don't get distracted by uh you know, by by all everything else, all the other things in space. And if you want to, fine, go there and uh, else, you know, afterwards. But do it, do it on your own time. Do it, do it after you get the the basics uh, first. I was gonna, I was gonna have Bitcoin Rabbi uh, give his conclusionary thoughts, but a question came up, so we're gonna go back uh, to Jan real quick. When someone asks, when will it Islam be worldwide? <laughs> um, I'm not sure it's gonna happen in the near term. Uh, there's a lot of complexity legal. And that's really the the realities we live in a very you know tightly regulated space, and there's all kinds of crazy regulations worldwide. We'll let awesome companies across the world tackle their own jurisdictions. Uh, you know, the ambers and the bidders of the world are, are great places to buy Bitcoin. We're not going to um, try to step on their toes just yet. It's very, uh, it's it's a lot of work. So, and we respect the people who are doing the work in those specific jurisdictions. And of course, we have the amber dudes on here too. So, all right, let's get back to, to Bitcoin. Yeah. Alex, what's up? Wherever you are, wherever you are, who knows? All right, so uh, Bitcoin Rabbi, your conclusionary, uh, your remarks. Talk about the book and everything going on in your life. Uh, yeah, I just uh, last night actually, I gave a presentation for a synagogue in Queens, in New York, uh, to like a young millennial. Uh, uh, Jewish uh, men about that are like, you know, prime for this space. So things are starting to get, I said, a, 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 a maybe a month ago or two last one was the having was like six weeks ago. I said, things were kind of quiet. They haven't, but it's been getting a bit frothier. Uh, there has been interest has been picking up and you see this price. I mean, it's just, it is infuriating for, I, I have, uh, uh friends who are traders and like sitting at these levels, like you have to imagine that it's, that the pressure is building up um, both on the price side and in you, you know, people and with the whole macro thing, everything seems like it's just kind of bubbling. And uh, so I have been, I uh, have a um, chat group of um, like Israeli uh, Bitcoiners that I talk to, and it's definitely getting a lot more interest there. Uh, It's starting to feel like 2017 and it hasn't felt like that. Uh, in a long time. So I'm getting, you know, tingling feelings that that the pressure is building. All right. Uh, any any update on the book? Anything else you want to say? You know, the book's been out for more than a year. And uh, thank God it's had a great run. It's still it's available. Bitcoinmoneybook.com. Um, you know, I, I hope that it's been when a book's been out for a year, it gets kind of quiet. Um, but uh, we'll see, you know, as more people enter the space, once we had new to new all time highs, then then everything, uh, then books will sell and uh, then the things will start uh, starting looking much more uh, brighter that that's it. It's, you know. All right. Well, thank you, Bitcoin Rabbi. We're one day closer to that all time high. Anders, you get to wrap it all up, baby. Okay. Yeah, I just also want to mention about Swan that what I really uh, like about Swan is uh, the fact that it it doesn't try to, uh, um, you know, uh, make money on these old coins that don't really have a a long term future value. Even though you probably easier make money if you put these all, all, the, all these other points in so it's 
is very much about doing the right thing. I feel Swan is doing the right thing. Uh, Swan is very focused on education as well, uh, which I love trying to create you know, real Bitcoin as also you know, how to um, be self-sovereign and hold your own private keys. Um, Swan has recommended um, auto withdrawal of Bitcoin. Um, I would say like uh, Jan that um, it, it is not the only way to, to hold Bitcoin. I believe I believe people should have most of their Bitcoin self-sovereign. Um, uh, but we just got to acknowledge the fact that all Bitcoin has been lost by people missing up their own private keys than through hacks, even counting Mogox. So it is there, there is, you know, it's not, it is possible to, to lose the private keys. People should really educate themselves and then it's fine. Um, but so you must play a role uh, to people that don't educate themselves on that. Um, so, so having a custodial, I think, can absolutely make sense. Um, another, uh, also, Swan has the lowest fee for uh, a monthly order purchase. So it's the lowest fees in the US uh, for current purchases, which of course is good. And I kind of like that. And the other thing that's really nice is it's a one-way street. It's only on ramp. It's not an off ramp. So you can go to Swan and Bitcoin automatically on a weekly or monthly basis, uh, but Swan doesn't let you sell it to get, um, make <laughs> money in fiat. Um, and if you believe that it's about fiat profit, and you know, there's maybe a lot of fiat today that, that fiat doesn't hold uh, anymore. Um, so uh, that's, that's the reason why um, you know a lot. One and last of all, you got Jan, the rabbi, the you know, there's three small people working there that I love working with. Um, Brady, uh, um, and Brady, uh, Citizen Bitcoin, um, you know, Corey, uh, Robbie, there's, there's lots of really smart guys, guys, Swan, lots of really smart guys there. I love working with those guys. All right, uh, Anders, you're actually getting a little choppy there. You might want to get, get rid of your uh, get rid of your picture real quick for your final. Uh, just just go to sound only. Get rid of your video. If uh, yeah, very choppy on my end. Yeah, as well. it got it got choppy. But I I, mean, I understood what you're saying. Oh wait, now okay. So yeah, final thoughts now. Uh, anything else you want to add? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's good now. Yeah, you know what? I just had. Uh, Okay, I just had Spectrum set up. Um, I used their, um, I read, I got a Wi-Fi router from them. That's probably the biggest mistake. Uh, they claimed that it was working, you know, absolutely fine, but I have problems every single day with that router. So uh, yeah. uh, I think I need to get my own router. Now, any, uh, any else, anything else you want to say? I linked to your links below if you want to check out what Anders uh, does. Anything else uh, you have to say? No, I, I I, I think I said it all. Although I still keep some for you next show. All right, cool. You 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 shall return. All right, it's been a great time, everybody. Best freaking guest in the space. You get this this week in Bitcoin every Friday. Who knows what time it will be? You know it'll be before Shabbat starts, though. So yeah, we have right. a new we have a new show every day.
follow me on Twitter at TechBall. Follow all the T E C H B A L T. Follow all these dudes on Twitter. Uh, Shabbat shalom, everybody. Nice I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Thanks a lot, everybody. And uh, see you uh, tomorrow night.